Just before I start, just a quick thank you to the whole congregation. Um, recently, uh, you all have just expressed so much love uh, to myself last week, and prior to that, Laura and I, when we announced that we were engaged, and I just wanted to say thank you for your outpouring of love, and congratulations, Laura and I both feel so uh, blessed and loved by you all, and so we wanted to, to thank you for that as well. Let's just say a word of prayer before we go to God's word. Father, we thank you once again for bringing us into this new year, and as we look to your word this morning, we pray that you would speak to us and that you would encourage us through your word. Bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title of the message today is, It All Starts With Prayer. And what we would like to emphasize this morning, and, and, and I pray as we go and come into this new year and come into this new decade, is that we in our own lives would put a greater emphasis on prayer, a greater emphasis on seeking the Lord. Along with that, if you notice in the seat back in front of you, we have some new prayer cards that are there. And so if you ever have a prayer request or if you ever have uh, something that you would like someone to uh, contact you to pray with you, please feel free to fill that out and drop it in the offering plate or take it to the welcome desk or give it to one of us on staff and we would be happy to pray with you or even bring it to uh, one of the members of the prayer team uh, that would be up at the front after the service and we would love to be able to pray with you for any needs that you might have. Because prayer is, is so important. Prayer is the, the hidden secret in the Christian life. Uh, it is the power behind the hand of God. It is the the blessing that the Lord gives to us in fellowship with him. And so as we start this new decade, it's good, start this new year and this new decade, it's good to build a a foundation of prayer in our lives. And And I hope if you have been walking with the Lord for some years that you've been growing in this aspect of the Christian life. And if you're here and you're new to the Christian uh, life, maybe some of these things will be new to you and I hope that you will embrace them and, and make a decision today to say, Lord, yes, I want to seek you more in prayer. And, and if you're here today and, and all of this is strange to you and you've never maybe even uh, decided to say, well, I want to pray, I want to talk to the Lord and you don't know what prayer is, I hope that uh, in these days and today especially that uh, you would seek and desire and inquire about what is this thing that we do to pray to the Lord. And this morning, I want to just focus on three things uh, about prayer. One is that prayer is intimate. Two is that prayer is sacrificial. And three, that prayer is powerful. So the first one is that prayer is intimate. Uh, sometimes we think uh, of prayer like our wallet, Right? We pull it out whenever we need something, and then when we are finished with it, what do we do? We put it back in. Prayer shouldn't be that way in our lives. Prayer, in in essence, is something very radically different. It is about a relationship. It is about an intimacy with the Lord. Timothy Keller, uh, in his book, Prayer, Experiencing Awe and Intimacy with God, and I'm going to quote a few Uh, passages from this book during this uh, message this morning, Uh, and it's a beautiful book if you'd like to get it to read it. There's a lot of uh, beautiful truths that Timothy Keller shares in that book, but uh, one thing that he says is that prayer is both a conversation and an encounter with God. We must know the awe of praising his glory, the intimacy of finding his grace, and the struggle of asking his help, all of which can lead us to know the spiritual reality of his presence. 
Okay, so there, there are things in prayer that are, are much more than just, hey, Lord, I need this. Can you do this for me? There's, there's a, a, a prayer is radically different than just asking the Lord for something. It's about developing a relationship with Jesus. It's about finding intimacy with Christ in our daily lives. Prayer is about being vulnerable. It's about being honest, transparent, weak, sincere before our creator who loves us really more than anyone else. Who else can you actually be like that with? Hopefully, maybe your spouse or a trusted confidant. But we need a place where maybe the mask needs to be removed, uh, the persona that maybe everyone else knows can be taken off, a place uh, that maybe sometimes we have a veil that separates us. We need to take that off, and a place where we can find intimacy and fellowship and communion with God, a place where we can be real and transparent with Him. In the very deepest sense, prayer is about building a relationship with God. In Psalm 145 and verse 18, it says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him. To all who call on Him in what? Truth. That means transparency. That means vulnerability. That means acknowledging our real state before God, acknowledging our weaknesses, acknowledging our pain, acknowledging the difficulties that we go through. We have the opportunity to have such a beautiful and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. St. Augustine said, whether we realize it or not, prayer in the, is the encounter of God's thirst with ours. God thirsts that we may thirst for him. God longs for us to come to him. He's like that father with open arms that says, come and fellowship with me. Come and talk with me. Come and learn of me. Come and find rest in me. Come and find peace in me. Come and find help in me. Throughout the Gospels, we see this intimacy of prayer through the life of Jesus as he prayed to his heavenly Father. It was so beautiful that, G- that the disciples asked Jesus and said, Lord, can you teach us as well how to pray? They saw him praying to his Father, and they said, we want to pray like that. Can you teach us how to do that? And that was the Lord's prayer that we prayed together this morning. John 17 Uh, is a beautiful chapter. We won't read it this morning, but it's a beautiful chapter. It's known as the high priestly prayer of Jesus. It's Jesus' prayer of intercession for us, his prayer to his Father. And we see, we get a glimpse of the intimacy between Jesus and the Father. We get a glimpse into the the conversation style, the the relationship that Jesus has with his Father in that, their, their desires, their closeness, their intimacy. And so much more we see of Jesus' vulnerability just before he went to the cross. There was a time just before Jesus went to the cross when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he had to pray because he had this big trial ahead of him. He had to go to the cross in order to die for the sins of humanity, in order to die for the sins of you and for me. So before that, he went in prayer to his Father because he needed help. And in this prayer to his Father, we see this deep vulnerability but we also see the deepness of his intimacy with his heavenly father. In Matthew 26, in verse 39, it says, My father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. See, this this vulnerability, this transparency that Jesus showed with his father was a reflection of the intimacy that he had with his father. To be able to say, Father, please, this is a struggle for me. This is hard for me. Is it possible that you can just pass this away from me? But still, Lord, I'm willing to do your will. Ask yourself these questions. Who would you feel comfortable to do the following things with? 
to confess a sin, to cry with, to acknowledge your depression or need or pain or failure, to seek refuge and help? If you think, how many people within your circle, how many people in your life would you be comfortable to do the following things with? I probably bet that it's a very few, right? It's probably a small number of people that you would be comfortable to maybe do one of these things with or even or all of these things with. But the beauty of this, the beauty of prayer being intimacy with God is that we are afforded the privilege and the opportunity to do all of these things and more with the Lord. And it's a reflection of the intimacy that he craves with us. It's a reflection of the intimacy that he wants us to have with him. There there are all sorts of things that we can express to God in the intimacy of prayer as we build a relationship with him. We wouldn't do these things with a stranger. Anyone here, you think about doing these things with a stranger? Probably not, right? That's why we need time to build this relationship. See some, I'm going to just show you a few verses here, and you can see the vulnerability. Some of these are prayers in the book of Psalms. The psalmist prayed these prayers. But if we read this in the light of just understanding intimacy and vulnerability and transparency that the psalmist had with God. It says here, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me, and he turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on solid ground and steadied me as I walked along. See, this prayer is a prayer of intimacy. It's a prayer of transparency and vulnerability and saying, hey, Lord, look, I'm waiting for you patiently. Please hear my cry. I was in the, in the pit of despair. Psalm 51 is known as the, the prayer of David after he had committed adultery, after he had committed murder. And then he was confronted by the prophet and said, hey, David, this is what you did. And David prayed a prayer of repentance to God. And can you see here the vulnerability of David, the transparency of David to acknowledge to God his sin? And he says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me uh, clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. Now how many times would you probably pray a prayer like this or me pray a prayer like this to somebody else? How many times would we say something like this to one of our friends? It would be very difficult, won't it? And that's why the intimacy that God wants us to have in prayer is the reflection of our transparency and vulnerability and the opportunity that we have to come to him and just acknowledge, take off the mask, take off the veil, take off these things that separate us from God and just say, hey God, this is me, this is the real me, this is who I am, this is what I've done, this is how I failed, this is how I've sinned, please help me. And that's the beauty of prayer. There are, there are examples all through the Bible. In, in Psalm 22, we read this as well. It says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. See, there are prayers that we can pray to God in honesty, in sincerity, and say, hey, God, this is how I am. There are all sorts of examples of this intimate relationship with God where we can take our hurt, our pain, our sorrow, our troubles, our sadness to Him. Now we can also take our joy, our excitement, our praise, our worship, our love, and there are many verses that reflect that as well. But I think the idea of prayer being intimate 
is a reflection of our transparency and honesty and sincerity before God. Prayer also being intimate is also a reflection of our consistency in prayer, right? In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, two simple words, it says, pray continually. In order to grow in a relationship with someone, we need to spend time with that person. We need to, be, we need to spend time in prayer with the Lord. So do we stop everything and just sit in a room and pray? No, that's really not what this is talking about. It's about an attitude of prayer that we have, right? Because praying is building a relationship with God. Timothy Keller said in another place in his book, he said, Paul does not see prayer merely as a way to get things from God, but as a way to get more of God himself. It's not about just, I need this, I need this, I need that. But really, what do we really truly completely need is god himself right there's a a story of a a man named brother lawrence he lived during the 17th century and he wrote out some maxims to live by that was compiled into a book that's widely read and it's called the practice of the presence of god now after a time in the army brother lawrence entered into a monastery where he was assigned to the kitchen and he was given tasks of cooking and cleaning. But Brother Lawrence discovered the truth of finding God's presence and communing with him even in the common business, even in menial tasks, even in just his daily chores that he had to do. He didn't need to be in a prayer meeting. He didn't need to be in a church service to feel the Lord, but he found God in the regular activities of life, praying continually, right? He said, men invent means and methods of coming at God's love. They learn rules and set up devices to remind them of that love. And it seems like a world of trouble to bring oneself into the consciousness of God's presence. Yet it might be so simple. Is it not quicker and easier just to do our common business wholly for the love of him? So it's not about... It's great that we can come into the house of God. It's great that we can uh, commune together and have fellowship together. Those are all important things. But the question is, when in Thessalonians, when it says pray continually, can we maintain that attitude of prayer and communion with God continually? Whether we're at work, whether we're at home, whether we're at church, can we continue to feel God's presence and know his love and fellowship with him? It wasn't an easy process for Brother Lawrence, uh, but he grew in that devotion to the Lord. He grew as he spent more and more time with God. Then people around his life started to see his joy, his peace, and his love, and they would come to him for counsel and for prayer, and even later church leaders started to write to him for spiritual guidance. Just this lowly cook, people started to come to him and say, hey, what's the secret of keeping God's presence with you, of maintaining that attitude of prayer? And his book and teachings gives guidance of how to cultivate the presence of God in our lives in a daily, in a daily way. The second thing is that prayer is sacrificial, right? Prayer is sacrificial. Remember, prayer is building a relationship with God. It takes time and commitment to build a relationship with someone. When, I was, uh, when Laura and I were dating, it took a lot of sacrifice because she lived in London, and that meant two hours drive there, and another two hours, well, two and a half hours drive there, and another two and a half hours drive back. And it took a long time and took a lot of, Sacrifice, but oh boy, I'm glad that it happened. (laughs) But in the Christian life, it takes sacrifice. 
Jesus left us with the best example of sacrifice and that it should, that idea of sacrifice should permeate every aspect of our being in, in whatever we do. You know, we often tend to default to relax into a comfortable life and we only do things if things are convenient. If I have time to come to church, I'll come. If I have time to pray, I'll pray. If I have time to read my Bible, then I'll read my Bible, right? But it shouldn't be that way. E.M. Bounds, who wrote a lot about prayer, he said, prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed, a rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. Is that the way that we would describe our prayer life? Is that the place that we are in our intimacy with the Lord? See, if we don't put, if we don't place a priority on prayer in our life, then it often gets left out. If we don't make a sacrifice to make it happen, it often won't happen. Has that ever happened to you? Right? You get up, you have, I've got to do this, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. And then by the time 11 p.m. rolls around, it's like, oh, I didn't even spend any time with the Lord. Right? What did Jesus do? In Mark 1, it says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. That's putting a priority on prayer. He said, I need to make sure that I spend time in prayer. In the Old Testament, there was a prophet named Daniel, and Daniel knew that God, this was when the children of Israel were taken into captivity into Babylon. And Daniel knew, according to the prophet Jeremiah, that the children of Israel would be in captivity for about 70 years. And when he read that and he understood that and he knew, okay, it's about the time when there should be deliverance for the children of Israel, what did Daniel do? He didn't just sit back and say, okay, God, you're going to fulfill your word and that's going to happen. No, Daniel set his heart and his mind to pray. Not just to pray, but also to fast and pray. Daniel 9, verses 1 to 3, talks about that. And he says, During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from the reading of the word of the Lord, as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet, that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. He was intense. He said, I'm going to seek the Lord. I want to get an answer. I want to know what's happening. See, Daniel sacrificed not just for himself, but for his people, for the nation. And when prayer is a sacrifice in our lives, it's not just for us and for our good and for our family, but we sacrifice for others. We pray for others. We make the sacrifice to intercede, to fast, to pray, to call on the Lord for the blessing of others. And it's a sacrifice. Daniel 9 and verse, after he started praying, it says here in Daniel 9 verse 23, uh, an angel came to him, angel Gabriel came to him, and he said, hey, the Lord has heard your prayer. It says, the moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I'm here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. See, Daniel knew what sacrifice was when it came to prayer. Not only in this situation, But actually, there was another situation that was way more significant. Earlier on in the book of Daniel, we read the story, it's often quoted as Daniel in the lion's den, right? And the story that happened there is that the king made a decree that said, no one should pray to any other god, to any person other than the king. Now, this was a real problem for Daniel because Daniel was accustomed to praying three times a day to his god, the god of Israel. So what does Daniel do? All right, the decree is made. I'm not going to pray for 30 days, you know, 31st day. Okay, good, yeah, I'm just going to obey the law. No. Daniel decided to pray. In Daniel 6 and verse 10, it says, 
But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. When Daniel went and prayed that day, Daniel knew that if he was discovered, that if he was found out, that's the end of him. This is sacrifice in prayer, right? This is making, he's saying, I'm going to pray regardless of the cost, even if it costs my own life. And he was thrown into the lion's den as a result of it. But God honored Daniel, closed, he closed the mouths of the lions. And when the king saw that the lions didn't eat Daniel, he said, Daniel, your God is the living God. And God was glorified through that whole experience. And I'm sure Daniel was praying up a storm when he was in the lion's den. Right? If we're going to pray in 2020, if we're going to pray in this year, if we're going to pray in this decade, if we want our lives to be changed, if we want our families to be changed, if we want our church to be changed, if we want our community to be changed, if we want our city to be changed, if we want our nation to be changed, if we want to see change throughout the world, if we want to see change in the government, if we want to see change in social circles, let me tell you, it all starts with prayer. And sacrificial prayer at that. When you study every major revival movement that has happened in, in the history, it has all been based upon and rooted in and started by prayer. And if we want to see radical change in our life, if we want to see something different, if we, don't, if we want to see something wonderful in our lives, if we want to get out of the status quo, then we need to make a decision in 2020 and beyond to say, I'm going to make a priority in prayer because I want my prayer life to be intimate and I want my prayer life to be sacrificial. And if we're going to just sit back and relax and say, oh, well, somebody else will do it. Then we can't be questioning God and saying, well, God, how come you're not moving? God, how come you're not doing something? We need to take that first step just like Daniel did to make that sacrifice in prayer and say, God, I'm serious because I want to see your hand moving. I want to see you working in my life, in my family, in my children, in my parents, in my uncles, in my aunts, in my brothers and sisters, in my cousins, in my church, in my community, amongst my friends. Then we need to pray. There's a story of Roland Bingham, who was the founder of SIM. At the time, it was called Sudan Interior Mission. And in 1893, there were about 60 to 90 million people in the area of Sudan, and not one missionary was there. Missionaries, it was very difficult for missionaries to go into the interior of Africa. But when Roland Bingham heard the call to go, he announced to his small farming community that he would go to London, and afterwards he would set sail for Africa. Now that sounds nice, but that was a pretty lofty goal for a 21-year-old that didn't even have $10 to his name. But he said, I'm going to London, and then from there I'm going to Africa. But the Lord provided for Bingham through farmers and other generous donors, and he finally made it with some of his partners to Lagos, uh, West Africa. But he couldn't go to the interior. They didn't have enough funds. And so what did they do? Can someone guess? What do, what do you think they would have done in that situation? Pray. The message is on prayer, right? So they prayed. They prayed. They prayed for a whole week. And during that week of prayer, they received a letter from a lady named Mary Jones, who was a housekeeper. And Mary Jones received an inheritance of $300, which is equivalent to about $12,000 today. She decided to give the whole $300 to the Sudan Interior Mission because she heard about them. 
And she rallied other people to contribute another $200 towards that effort. Years later, Roland Bingham would write this of Mary's sacrificial gift. He said, The gift of this servant girl came just at the moment of our greatest need and made possible that first journey up into the Sudan. Out of that gift of 50 years ago, in a very real sense, has come the great harvest of hundreds of converts every year, which we are seeing today. They prayed and said, God, make a way. And God made a way. That was the initial spark for hundreds and thousands of people to come to the knowledge of Christ. Today, SIM has over 4,000 missionaries working in 70 nations. And I don't think Mary Jones would have known what her little gift at that time, what that impact would have made. We're starting tomorrow a 20-day prayer challenge for 2020, right? You can sign up at that link. Go ahead. You can take your phone out. Permission granted. Take your phone out. Go to that website, uachome.org slash u-pray, right? We had U-Day last year. We have U-Pray starting tomorrow. Next week, we're going to tell you a little bit about U-Fam. That's going to be later on. But we're going to pray for 20 days. And I want to encourage you to sign up for this challenge. We'll be praying for the local needs here at UAC. We'll be praying for missionaries. We'll be praying for the gospel to go forth uh, throughout the world. We'll be praying for the persecuted church, for social needs in our community, in our country, our government, nations of the world, uh, organizations that are having a kingdom impact. And as you sign up, you'll get an email every single day. And you can choose to pray by yourself or pray in your family. Or you can also pray with your small group, right? We will also give you some info and encouragement about doing maybe a prayer walk in your area, in your neighborhood, about fasting and prayer also. We might have a couple of, not might, we will have a couple of days of fasting and prayer thrown into those, those 20 days, right? And we'll, we'll learn about praying through scripture and praying for your neighbors and friends to know the Lord. We'll try to do some scripture memorization as well to help us to pray, and we'll talk a little bit about listening prayer and about the prayer of examine to see uh, what God is doing in our lives. So I want to encourage you to sign up. But I want to I wanna just invite Derek. Derek, where are you? Okay, Derek, come up. Derek uh, and his family have been attending UAC for about two years. And Derek makes the sacrifice to come out at 6 a.m. on Wednesday morning to pray. Now, that's a pretty big sacrifice, if I do say so myself, because sometimes when I get up on Wednesday morning, I'm like, ooh, I got to get up and I got to come to church early. But Derek has been coming faithfully for a couple of years. And so I just wanted to ask Derek a couple of questions for you to hear from him about the impact of prayer. So Derek, what made you decide to come to early morning prayer? Tell uh, the congregation. Well, first of all, Pastor uh, Daniel, I'm, I'm glad to see you got uh, a new haircut for the new year. Like Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, so I go according to <laughs> Laura's instructions on those things now. So, um, you know, through uh, difficult life uh, experiences, I felt God was teaching me to be less self-reliant uh, and more uh, God-reliant. Mm-hmm. And as I, I felt that, I felt that uh, having a deeper commitment to prayer uh, is, is important for growth. Mm-hmm. And, and so when um, I heard the invitation to come to the early morning prayer, I thought, well, you know, that's a good way uh, to get started and uh, kind of get out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. and, and grow in faith. And kind of like how I feel uncomfortable here. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit uh, on stage being uncomfortable, but getting out, outside the comfort zone. Yeah. And that takes sacrifice. That takes commitment to do that. So, but here's a, here's a golden question. Why have you continued to come 
right? Because, you know, after a few times, I think, man, why am I getting up early in the morning? And what impact has it ha- had on you personally? Well, um, for me, I think one of the, the biggest um, benefits has been uh, fellowship, right? As we prayed together in the morning, um, you know, I, I really felt uh, deep fellowship, you know, uh, praying together, uh, praying for others, uh, praying uh, for each other, and then feeling supported in prayer. I thought that, you know, that's, that's really uh, deep, meaningful fellowship, and, and I'm really blessed to, uh, you know, have that fellowship with uh, faithful brothers in Christ. And, and, and so the other thing I felt was that just as we pray for um, the world, uh, things that God is doing in the world, and especially uh, through um, countries that are with uh, heavy, high levels of persecuted churches, like, w- I can see how God is moving, and uh, I'm quite excited about, you know, how I can participate in prayer in terms of what God is doing in the world. And, and the third thing really is about um, a sense of community. As we pray for different aspects of uh, initiatives within UAC, like uh, Campers of Hope, we were praying for mm-hmm. that. It really felt that, as we prayed for that, it felt natural to want to participate and, as mm-hmm. a result, you know, be part of the UAC community in, in a more meaningful way. So, uh, so th- these were all, all really important things. And, and I also learned a deep insight, Pastor Daniel, that mm-hmm. uh, coffee tastes a lot better at 6 a.m. in the morning. Yes. Free coffee, by the way. 6 a.m. in the morning, right here on Wednesdays. Not this Wednesday. We're starting back again the following Wednesday. And, it, and it's true. When you see the answer to prayer, you know, as you're talking about, when you see as we pray for other, other people, I w- uh, th- just to tell you a couple of stories, there was one time that we were praying for one particular person. On Wednesday mornings, we actually go through our whole directory and pray for every single family individually. So we're praying for you all. And each fa- we pray for about 10 families every Wednesday, and we try to go through our whole directory. And it was interesting. One Wednesday, we prayed for one particular person that we had not seen in months. And on Sunday, that person was there. That was an answer to prayer, Absolutely. Right. There was, and there's some people in our directory that I might, please forgive me, but I don't, I still don't know everyone face to face. Please, if I don't, if, you, if I don't know you face to face, please come and introduce yourself to me and say, Daniel, this is my name, right? But there was one family we were praying for, and I couldn't put a face to a name about that, and we were praying on that Wednesday morning, and on Sunday, I was in the lobby, and, and one lady came up to me and said, Pastor Daniel, can you pray for me? I was like, sure. So I, I took her to the side and said, what's your name? And she gave me her name, and it was the same person we prayed for that Wednesday, and she was coming with a prayer request. We're seeing, you know, prayers being answered that way. I remember that. Yeah. What, what impact can you say has prayer had uh, on your family, uh, uh, family life? Well, um, in the past year, my family has um, tried to do uh, family devotions in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, most most uh, days of the not. And, and uh, we found that as we uh, go through the devotionals that, uh, and share biblical values, like for instance, just recently we were talking about when God faces, or when you're faced with uh, obstacles, you know, don't focus on the obstacle, but focus on God, right? And mm-hmm. that, you know, like just being able to impart that, and as we pray together, we found that um, it really helped our family get closer together, and, and uh, that was, uh, that's a real blessing in terms of, uh, you know, th- those family devotions. Mm-hmm. And that's really good. I want to encourage all the families here as well to take time to pray, and if you sign up for the prayer challenge, if you want to spend time praying together as a family, it's, it's such a beautiful thing, and it builds bonds that would last uh, for many years, and, and we hope throughout eternity as well, too. So um, can you share, just in closing, just uh, one prayer request that you've seen the Lord answer in your life? Sure. Uh, just even the past uh, few months, uh, there was a, uh, a medical issue in my family that required a surgery. And, and you know, through prayer, uh, through prayer of, um, you know, support of, of uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, um, we really felt a sense of peace throughout mm-hmm. that uh, 
that difficult uh, medical issue. And then throughout the surgery and then in recovery, um, it went smoothly and, and uh, really felt God's blessing throughout the whole process. Amen. Thank you, Derek, so much for coming up. Can we get a round of applause for Derek? Thanks, Derek, for sharing those thoughts. And I just want to encourage you. The reason I had Derek come is just to, just to share, like, there's sacrifice that's needed to pray. And I, as we do that, we will see God moving. We will see God answering prayer. Now, it might not be according to our timeline and the way that we want, but, you know, the uh, 100% of the prayers that are not prayed are not answered, right? So... Make a few prayers and you'll see God moving in some way. The last thing, and I'll just close with this, is that prayer is powerful. You heard some stories just now that Derek was sharing, and I, and I, was, I was saying how we've seen God even answering prayers of we were praying for certain things and we see things happening overseas, we see things happening on the mission field. And prayer is powerful because it is, is connected with the Word of God. There's an interconnection between prayer and the Word of God. Prayer moves the heart of God and transforms our life. First John chapter 5 Verse 14 and 15 says, this is how powerful prayer is. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know that he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. See, there's power there in prayer. I remember as a young man when I was starting out in ministry and I had a, we had a group of young, uh, young men who were praying together in the evenings. And we would pray together every evening for, for different things. And a pastor joined us from, a, from another country one evening with, in our prayer time. And he encouraged us to pick one person and pray for that person until something happens. And so we decided to do that. We picked one person that was in the church and we said, we're going to pray for this person until something happens. And guess what? Something happened. His life was radically changed and transformed. And we were like, whoa, What happened? So then we finished with him. We said, okay, we're going to pick another person. And we picked somebody else, and we prayed until something happened in that person's life, and God did something. And then we finished with that person. We picked another person. And we saw God moving. We saw God answering prayer, right? In John 15, verse 7, it says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Here the key part here says, If my words abide in you. Prayer is powerful as we pray Scripture. Prayer is powerful as we pray scripture. Sometimes we don't know what we should pray for. We don't know how to pray. But praying scripture can be so powerful. Timothy Keller says again, Our prayer should arise out of an immersion in the scripture. We speak only to the degree we are spoken to. The wedding of the Bible and prayer anchors your life down in the real God. See, prayer is powerful when we mix it with scripture. Many parts of Scripture are prayers that we can pray. We pray today the Lord's Prayer. We can read them, we can memorize them, we can quote them, right? They can be very useful. We, we not only pray the, the literal words that are in Scripture, we also pray the meaning of the text. So, for example, I told you today the story of Daniel in the lion's den, right? And so, reading that story, there's no literal prayer that's there that we could say, but we get the meaning of the text. So here's an example prayer from that. Lord, make me faithful like Daniel in the midst of opposition, and make me courageous like Daniel during times of testing and trials. Forgive me for times when I've compromised your word or hardened my heart to your conviction. Forgive me for times when I haven't been bold to speak your truth. See, the, the meaning of the text comes out in that as we make a prayer to the Lord. 
And, and there's so many passages that lead us to praise God, to thank God, to cry out to God for help, to confess our sins, to acknowledge our failures before the Lord. There's so many prayers in the Bible that we can look at. We don't have time to, to read everything. We read this prayer, Psalm 51, David's prayer of repentance. Psalm 3 is a prayer of deliverance and protection. Daniel 9 is a, Daniel's prayer of repentance to the Lord for Israel's sins. Ephesians 1 is a prayer for the, uh, Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus. And he prays and he asks the Lord, Lord, enlighten their eyes, help them to understand what their calling is, help them to see what the hope that they have. And because of time, I'm not going to read all of the, the passages there. But I just want to give you an example of praying scripture through Romans chapter 5, okay? Uh, and I, I just want to just take this as an example, and I hope that as, you, as we go through this, you can learn and maybe see the power of praying scripture. So here's the first part of Romans 5. It says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Okay? So that's the first part. Now, what prayer can you get out of that? Well, we can say, Lord, thank you because I am right in your sight. Lord, thank you that I can have peace with Jesus because of what you have done for me. Lord, thank you for the faith that you've given me and for this undeserved privilege that I have. Thank you that I can confidently and joyfully look forward to what you have. We can also pray this for somebody else and say, Lord, I pray for so-and-so, Lord, that you would make them right in your sight by faith. I pray that you would draw them into your peace because of what Jesus has done for us. I pray that Christ's faith would be very real to them that they would see the, the privilege that they have of coming to know you. And I pray that you would make them confident and joyful in the hope that you give. Can you see how you can pray through the scripture? I'll give you another example here, continuing in Romans 5. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Now, I'm going to take a different take on this, and I'm going to go in the negative way, right? Because I think a lot of the times I'm not like that. So let me pray the negative part of that and say, Lord, please help me because I'm going through trials and problems and I can't rejoice. Lord, help me to realize that these trials are developing endurance in me. Lord, I pray that you would change my character and give me strength of character through these trials. Lord, I pray that you would give me a confident hope of salvation as I endure these things, right? And so you take scripture and you learn to pray it so that whether in the positive sense or in the negative sense, you're communing with God and using his word to create intimacy with the Lord. Here's the last part. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So I'm going to do positive and negative on this, okay? Lord, please help me because I am disappointed. Lord, please help me because I don't have the hope that I should have. Lord, but I know that you love me. And Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit working in my life, filling me with love, filling me with grace so that I can trust in you. Can you see that? You, you can, and, and you can pray however it relates to your life, 
to take the positive or the negative, but to be able to pray scripture. These types of prayers are powerful and help us and give us confidence in the Lord. See, 2020 is going to be a year of prayer. We want to make it a year of prayer. We want to make it a decade of prayer. Prayer is intimate, prayer is sacrificial, and prayer is powerful. So let's build our relationship with the Lord and create intimacy through prayer. Let's take time to pray to seek the Lord. Let's make a sacrifice and let's read God's word and pray through the scriptures. I'll tell you a story just in closing and the worship team, you can come up and get ready. Uh, There were a team of long-term workers who were serving in the Middle East and they were seeking the Lord of how they should be actually praying uh, for that area to be revived. They didn't know how they should really pray for that area. They felt that the Lord was leading them to pray not only for individuals to come to Christ, but for whole families to come to Christ. So they committed to pray every Friday at noon, and they asked their supporters and they asked for their people around the world to pray with them. And after they had spent some time in prayer, they heard this story, that there was a local believer, a local evangelist, who... uh, God led to a specific part of that city because they were in need of Christ. And he was reaching out to the neighbors and sharing the gospel. But one day he was abducted and killed because he was sharing the gospel. The Christian community mourned the loss of this evangelist. But God showed another evangelist that he should move into the same house of that evangelist and continue the work that that evangelist started. Now, if God told you that, what would you say? Oh, Lord, are you really sure? You know, that guy was abducted and killed. I don't know if I want to continue that work. It was tough, but he obeyed. One night, some men came and abducted him from his home and took him far away. And he thought as he was going there, this is the end. The same thing that happened to the other evangelists is happening to me. They brought him to a big group of men, about 700 men. And he thought that he was going to be executed publicly. They asked him if he was a follower of Christ, and he thought if he said yes, they would, he would be executed. But he said yes, and one of the men said that he was the guy that killed the previous evangelist, standing right in front of him. But the night before they had abducted the second evangelist, these 700 men all had the same dream, that they had blood on their hands because they had killed the first evangelist. And they couldn't get it off. All of them had the same dream. And in the dream, the second evangelist was the one who would come and tell them how to get the blood off of their hands. And so that's why they kidnapped him and brought him. And they told him this. And he shared with them Jesus. And all or almost all trusted in Jesus that day. That's the power of prayer. As we pray for our lives, for our community, for our church, for the world, God is moving. We might not see it directly, but God is moving and he's doing his work. Let's sing to the Lord.